Welcome to the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Join me for conversations about how to advocate for our kids in a one-size-fits-all world. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Hey everyone, it's Emily here. Before we dive into my amazing conversation with Brandon, I have a quick announcement to make. And that is that we're going to take a break between now and the fall so my team and I can plan some more amazing interviews and conversations to bring you here on the Mothers of Misfits podcast. In the meantime, I encourage you, go back and check out any of the episodes that you might have missed, or if you've heard them all, go back and re-listen to your favorites. Also, make sure that you're following us on our Facebook page, our Instagram page. We're still posting there, and we'll make sure that you're the first to know about our new episodes coming up. And last but certainly not least, if you have not yet signed up to receive our episode insider newsletters, go to mothersofmisfits.com right now and sign up. Scroll to the bottom of the page to do that. It takes 30 seconds or less. And that way you'll have all the latest information delivered straight to your inbox and you will be the first to know when new episodes are coming out. I just want to say as well, thank you, thank you, thank you to those of you that have been listening from the start, to those of you that just started listening and to everyone in between. I want you to know how much I appreciate you. I am so thankful that you join us and that you are part of the Mothers of Misfits community. So take this time to enjoy the summer, enjoy your family. I'll talk to you soon. And in the meantime, here's my amazing conversation with Brandon. Welcome back, everybody. I'm really glad you are here for another episode of Mothers of Misfits. I'm excited to introduce all of you to a new friend of mine, although... We immediately found out we have lots of connections between us, and we instantly, I think, really bonded over those things. But Brandon Fong is an entrepreneur, author, marketing nerd, world traveler, and goofy husband. I love those descriptors. He's also the creator of the Magic Connection Method and founder of Seven Figure Millennials, where his mission is to inspire millennial entrepreneurs to pursue big financial goals while prioritizing their happiness, health, and relationships. Brandon, I'm really glad you're on today. Thanks so much. Emily, thanks for having me. This is going to be a blast. It is definitely. And every conversation we have is a blast and high energy. So I'm sure today (laughs) will be no different. And let's just get right to it and talk about that word misfit and what it means to you. And particularly in your childhood growing up, I know you often felt like a misfit. So can you talk more about that? Yeah, I think I felt like a misfit in multiple ways. I'll start with the core story that I always teach, but I grew up in one of the wealthiest, I went to school in one of the wealthiest zip codes in the state. And so the story I always like to tell is it was 1133 in Mrs. Dentisi's classroom. You can picture a bunch of sixth graders sitting around. We were supposed to be working on a project on Egyptian mummification and everybody's supposed to be working, but they're all staring at the clock because at 1135, it rings and everybody gets to go to lunch. So when it finally rings, 27 kids jump to their feet, they make a beeline to the cafeteria, but there's one kid that's taking his sweet time, no smile on his face. I keep this picture on my desk. If you're listening, you can't hear, you see this obviously, but I have nerdy glasses, Bugs Bunny, gap in my front teeth, and I was taking my sweet time going to lunch. And that kid was obviously me. And the reason why I would hate to go through the lunch line is because every day I would go through, 
the hairnut sporting lunch lady would plop the chicken nuggets on the whatever the plastic tray. I'd go through the lunch checkout line and I would wait for my friends to go through. And after every, I got closer and closer to the lunch lady, my heart would start beating faster and faster. And I would watch Kate go through and she would type in her student ID and then it would show on the screen $5 and 25 cents. And then Matt would go next and he had, he always got two desserts and it would say $7 and 12 cents. And then finally, it was my turn. I'd set my tray down. I'd type in my student ID, and then it would show Brandon Fong, free lunch, $0.00. And, zero cents. and so that was the part that was so embarrassing for me is because I didn't want any of my friends to find out that we needed some help. And it was, like I said, it was in one of the wealthiest zip codes in the state where I went to school that I didn't really belong there. I guess it goes into the misfit thing. Like I wouldn't have even been there if it weren't for my parents deciding to get me open enrolled into this district instead of the normal school district I'd be in. And that was 13 years ago. And that was a painful, embarrassing story because, you know, of that. But because of that is what I realized that I wanted to be an entrepreneur and not, yes, we didn't have the finances growing up, but I have the world's best parents. I think everybody says that, but they just taught me the best things. I was immersed in self-development. It was like a perfect boiling pot of a kid that was in a situation where he saw his friends having more. He didn't have more, but his parents gave him everything he possibly needed to succeed. I was a misfit in the financial sense and not belonging. And also I think mentally as well, because they really steeped me in self-improvement and all these kinds of things. And normal 10, 11, 12 year olds, even earlier than that are not into that kind of stuff. So I guess I never felt like I could fully relate on that level as well. So lots of different misfit components going on. <laughs> mm -hmm. Isn't there a story about glasses? There was something you wanted, but couldn't easily afford. What was that story? Yeah, so part of the, I don't know what program we were on, but we got free optician visits or whatever. And there was a box of glasses that you could select from and those boxes were the free ones. And so I couldn't choose the the glasses that I would want because the free ones were the ones that we could get. So I got the, the free ones and in sixth grade, some kids, was it wasn't that, I wasn't that bullied, but some, whatever sixth grader, it's traumatizing when somebody's like, oh, why you got the glasses or whatever. And so I really wanted contacts and we couldn't afford those contacts. So I had to figure out a way to pay for the contacts. So I think I sold some stuff on Craigslist, figured out how to do some things. And it was because I wasn't given things and I was constantly challenged to have to figure things out. That is how my entrepreneurial muscle had to get flexed because I knew I wasn't going to get paid for. And so I always had to figure out innovative ways to approach situations to really get what I wanted. It was never handed to me. And so I am so happy that I was never given anything that I had to figure it out because I wouldn't be, that was years of entrepreneurial experience before I even turned 15 years old. It was something I would never take back. Speaking of flexing the entrepreneurial muscle, you have certainly done that and then some since that kid who wanted to get contacts and sold stuff so he could make the money, tell everybody what you're doing today and the success around that. I know you're not one to brag, but for a minute, just brag about where you are because it's incredible what you've accomplished because of those hard but important lessons you learned early on. So what are you doing these days? Yeah, I guess I'll give the abbreviative shorter format here. So like all throughout high school, I was into entrepreneurship. There was a high school organization called DECA and I had a business plan idea when I was 16 for something called the Sizzlin' Ninja food truck. I was excited about that. That never ended up, that's a whole separate story. But then I went to college and I studied entrepreneurship and marketing. And I was like, my goal is to have a business venture ready, hop, running, rocking and rolling by the time I graduated. So I tried a whole bunch of different things. I wrote a book when I was 20-ish and I was going to build a personal brand around all that kind of stuff. But then it was my senior year and I'm like, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do anymore. Nothing had really taken off. 
And then I, using from an older story, but I had a mentor that really taught me about the power of connection. She taught me if you ask for money, you get advice, but if you ask for advice, you get money. And so she really helped me instill the value of learning how to connect with people. And so I had been building these connection skills for several years, but my senior year of college, I reached out to a really successful entrepreneur. His name is Jonathan Levy. And I basically came up with a whole plan. And I said, I want to do all this for you. And I don't want to be paid for it. And I was just really excited to work with him. And so and if you don't like my work, no worries, we could just part our separate ways. But if you do, then let's figure out a way to work together. And so that email that I sent turned into an incredible relationship where I was working with him running operations for three years. While I was on the team, we added up 100,000 students who was online courses. million to his podcast and a whole bunch of other crazy stuff. I was running his email list with 100,000 people. And then Jonathan got into this high-level mastermind, which this is where we share background. It's called Genius Network. For those of you listening, seven-figure, seven, eight, nine-figure entrepreneurs are in here, really, really successful people. And so Jonathan got in this group and said, I want Brandon to come too. And so I was the youngest person in that room at age 22, surrounded by seven, eight, nine-figure entrepreneurs learning from the best of the best. And so that's really kind of where... My entrepreneurial, obviously, my entrepreneurial education started earlier on, but I was just catapulted into just elite levels of thinking of what it's like to think exponentially and be surrounded by people that are really just moving the needle on things. And so, long story short, I ended up leaving Jonathan's company in mid COVID last about a year ago now. And since then, I've been focused on building my own stuff. And seven figure millennials, like you said, is all about helping millennial entrepreneurs prioritize their happiness, health, and relationships while making their biggest entrepreneurial dreams a reality. And it was partly inspired by the quote by Jim Rohn become a millionaire, not for the million dollars, but for what it will make of you to achieve it. Because I saw so many successful entrepreneurs that had all the money in the world, and they were miserable on the inside. And so I'm really serious about creating and changing this conversation about what really success means, and that building businesses that have the core foundations of fulfillment at the core, because at the end of the day, you don't want a successful business, you want a business that brings you joy and happiness and fulfillment that allows you to build a life that you want. Well, I could not agree more on that part. You and I definitely align on that word fulfillment because success can feel pretty empty when you actually get there, even though I know a lot of us, that's what we're pursuing. But fulfillment over success every day. But it's really not an either or. You don't actually have to choose that for ourselves or our kids. I wholeheartedly believe you can have both. I'm experiencing both. You're experiencing both. It's more about what you put first. You know, What are you aiming for? And so many people find success on the path to fulfillment. But it's about finding for ourselves that alignment between our skills, passions, and talents, and then helping our kids do the same. So why I was so excited to have you on today is I was that kind of misfit entrepreneurial kid. And I'm sure there's parents listening that have their son or daughter who also has that entrepreneurial muscle. And that may cause them to not be a total fit in school, in the classroom, or in traditional sort of pathways for kids or students. And I just love the encouragement that I get from hearing your story because you haven't succeeded in spite of being a misfit, but because you really embraced what makes you a misfit. And I just, I love that. And I think that really does bring a lot of encouragement to families that are a little bit earlier in their story. But I have seen over and over and over where these just extremely talented kids who may not be really showcased in a traditional educational environment, when they have that freedom to be exactly who they are and embrace that entrepreneurial nature, they just take off. Can you identify with that sense of newfound freedom? And especially when you're around those other visionaries and big thinkers, was it like, wow, this is me. This is my sweet spot. Yeah, that's absolutely how I felt. Because I found this organization in high school called DECA, 
and they had some business-minded students, but I went to the national competition. There were kids that were there because they weren't really, it was just something that it was popular at the school and they just did. And so like, even amongst a crowd of people that were supposed to be my people, I just, I still, I'm not friends with anybody from my high school. It's just, I don't have a single friend that I stay in touch with. There's people, I don't have any bad relationships. I had good relationships. I was fairly popular in high school, but I just never related with anyone to the level that really allowed me to connect. And then there were a few organizations in college where I really, that's where I really started to meet some people. But then I stepped foot in a genius network. I'm like, these are my people. These are the people that are like, have been like, I've been listening to that. I've listened to thousands of hours of podcasts. If I speak really fast, it's because I listen to everything on two times speed. <laughs> but those are the people that were in my ears. And so I knew how to converse at that level. And that was a commonality that you and I both shared mm -hmm. is that my parents really early on is they, I know you're a Colby fan and I don't know how much overlap there is between this audience and understanding the Colby test, but my parents taught me about a profiling system that was called star. I think I was probably, I don't know, elementary school. It's not very well known. I don't really, I've never heard of anybody talk about it, but the, I think the important part was that it taught me to be dynamic and it taught me to understand that there are people that have different ways of approaching things than I do. And that if you really want to connect with somebody, you not only have to understand the best way that you can do something, but how they prefer to be communicated with. And the more that you can understand how to communicate with them in the way that they like to understand things, the more that you're going to be able to connect with them and form relationships. And I don't know how I got on that whole tangent, but the long story short, I stepped into Genius Network and it felt like I was like finally belonged because it was the level of thinking that my parents introduced me to from a very early age. And I know you listen to cassette tapes and that kind of stuff growing up too. And so, yeah, it's all fun. <laughs> Yeah, we had similar mentors and just incredible thinkers. Something that we've talked about is our parents really treated us as equals in the sense of they asked us our opinion and they treated it as, you know, on the same level as their own. And when I look back, I know it wasn't, you know, my parents clearly had more experience and wisdom, but they still asked me my opinion and really honored what I had to say. And that gave me confidence and that gave me a voice and set me up for success. Even to this day, I just look back on that and feel so blessed that my parents involved me in those kinds of conversations and made me feel like I had a seat at the table. And I'm curious, what other lessons did your parents give you that have served you even to this day? Oh, man, so much. I don't even know where to start. It's funny, I'm actually getting I'm because of COVID, I'm already married, but we haven't had the celebration yet. So I'm getting married uh, in next week, Sunday now, actually, at the time of this recording. Oh, and so congrats. My, my, yeah, thank you. So my mom chose the song Son of Man to be our first mother son dance. And I cried when I listened to it because, oh man, mm -hmm. there's just so much of those lyrics about how my mom raised me that I was so grateful for. But anyways, what did they teach me? I learned different things from my parents. So my dad grew up in a restaurant. He was, they forgot about his ninth birthday because of this restaurant. And so my dad spent his entire life operating and owning a restaurant. And so I grew up and I was also in the restaurant and I saw my dad working insanely hard. And I think that's where I got my love of learning from was from my dad is because mm -hmm. he was always looking for more efficient ways to do things. And he was always learning a new random thing. And so I just thought that's how it was. And another thing that my dad taught me how to play chess when I was five and he taught me how to play billiards pool. I had to move a stool around the table because I wasn't tall enough to see above the billiards table. But like my dad was really good. He always let me win at everything. And I think it's a little bit different. But the way he did it is he built my confidence up so that I was excited about it. But once I had the skills, he always taught me to play with people that were better than I was. He's like, whenever if you want to get better at pool, you can beat these people because you're good enough. But if you really want to get to the next level, you have to be in situations where you're playing with somebody that's levels above you. And so that was a huge thing that I learned from my dad. And then my mom, 
I think that's kind of where I get the, she really instilled the desire to win for me. I think that was the biggest thing is whenever I, there was a Halloween costume contest, I was the kid that won because my mom made sure that we had a homemade costume and it was the coolest costume around and we we're going to kick butt with this costume. The combination of my dad teaching me how to learn and really showing me what it's like to constantly push yourself and grow at a higher level and my mom showing me the hard work ethic and what is required to win in combination with the fact that they were both into self-improvement there was just so many things that i learned from them growing up that nothing would have been possible if it weren't for the way that they raised me mm -hmm. it's awesome because it sounds like they both in their own way taught you how to go all in one of the most important things we can praise in our kids is the effort not even always the result, because sometimes we have control over it, sometimes we don't, sometimes it doesn't come out like we expected. But if our kids are going all in, that is huge. I mean, think about in our own lives, when we went all in or when we done, you know, half-baked, the difference in the outcome, the difference in our confidence, the difference in how we felt, it's huge. And teaching our kids that it's really about the effort. And you know, there's also a decision to be made. We don't have limitless, boundless mental energy. So each and every one of us, including our kids, have to make tough decisions about where to go all in. We can't go all in with everything. So there's also some great life lessons in that, which is where do we prioritize our efforts? I love that your parents really praised that you were striving and you were growing. And I really do find that that's the most important thing to reward our kids for is just that all in. And it's a beautiful picture of how your parents instilled that in you. Love that. Yeah, just to add on top of that, I'm a podcast host myself, and this is a commonality I've seen amongst the most mm -hmm. successful entrepreneurs that I've interviewed on my show too. It's like the focus of process over outcome. There's so many entrepreneurs mm -hmm. that get tied to the outcome, right? And then they achieve the outcome mm -hmm. and they feel empty. Whereas if you focus on the process of being happy on the process and enjoying the process, that's really where the true fulfillment is. So I think that whether you're an entrepreneur or you're a family that is looking to raise your kids with the idea that if they understand and fall in love with the process of growth, of the process of pursuing something that makes them happy, it's not necessarily crossing the finish line that's going to bring the happiness, but rather the pursuit of it. Whoa, that's mind blowing because my mind is instantly going to the focus and I would even say oftentimes over focus of grades in our school system mm -hmm. and how much our kids go through the stress, the anxiety, the overwhelm, the pain to get the grade, right? To get the GPA. And I don't have the stats offhand for this, but I think imposter syndrome is sometimes the strongest amongst our high performing students because they got the grade and they got to that place where they thought, you know, wow, this is, I arrived. And then they suddenly question everything about themselves or the moment that they don't get that perfect grade and they feel like an imposter. You know, am I actually smart? Am I actually worthy of all of these accolades and these rewards and things I've accomplished in school? And it's so true. Entrepreneurs feel the same thing. I think there's a lot of great intention behind, good motives behind getting good grades. And, I, and I'm certainly advocating for that. I know I worked hard for it. But it's so true that are we also talking to our kids about, hey, you studied really hard or you spent time reading that and you paid attention in school and you were curious. You went above and beyond the homework assignment. You went on your own and learned more about that. 
and really having a, a balanced approach to that leading behaviors versus lagging indicators and mm -hmm. setting them up for a future of measuring the right things and finding our worth and our value in the right things. Yeah, I love that. And I think this is really important conversation to have. And I don't know what it was that my parents instilled in me, but I, I remember very specifically in college, I was applying for <clears throat> scholarships. And I, again, this goes back to my scrappiness. I had to pay for my entire college education through scholarships. And so I paid for two study abroad experiences because I got really good at writing. So that was another thing they taught me is like, I got good at writing because I had to win scholarships. <laughs> uh, but I applied for this one scholarship and I remember submitting it and asking for feedback from my English teacher. And she gave it back to me. And I walked into her office, she handed me the paper and there was red all over it, just completely destroyed. And I remember getting that and just being so excited. I don't know what weird thing was programmed <laughs> for me because I was like, oh my God, this, if she hadn't given me this feedback, I, and I won the scholarship, but if she hadn't given me this feedback, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to improve. And I think that in our school system, a uh, bad grade is almost treated as the end result. Oh, I got this bad grade and now let's move on to another topic. When in the real world, what's the equivalent of the bad grade in the real world, right? Something didn't work. That's not the end of what just happened. That's the beginning. It's okay, now what do I do now, right? And so the way that we're measuring success in these grades and not having a continuation of that, of allowing kids to improve beyond it, I think that's backwards because that's not how it works in the real world. Whoa, yes. Oh my goodness. I'm loving this. I'm just soaking it all in and I couldn't agree more. Um, and I'm thinking as you're talking about ways that I can even refine how we talk about school and success in our own home. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about your target audience, which is millennials. You know, they're considered to be misfits in many ways, not always in good ways, right? I think most of the chatter that I hear about millennials, because I do work with employers and companies, and it's not always good stuff. I really like to get your perspective on the stereotypes that are out there about millennials. Hmm. Great question. I'll answer it this way. I had Kari on my show. He's, a, he's got a TED Talk called The Power of Slow, and really a popular TED Talk and popular author. And he has a new book out called Boulder that talks about fighting ageism. And one of the things that he talked about is he doesn't like creating segments in where's the line. I'm 25. I was born in 1996. I'm the last of the millennials. And so you're going to bucket me inside of this millennial group when I'm very close to Gen Z. And it's like we create these dividing lines between people. But really, I think the overarching societal influences are greater than sometimes the generational ones, which may, it's just coming out of my, I don't know if that's entirely accurate. Now I might have to think on that a little bit more, but I think that as a whole, yes, I think that there's lots of poor stereotypes about millennials, but at the same time, I've never really let it affect me because I realized that I can, I feel like I'm a 50, 60 year old man in my brain because I've spent so much time listening and hanging out with people that are older. So I've never really related to that, but I think that there's ways for us to stand out as an individual that shows that we are not part of those stereotypes. Mm -hmm. And it just makes me think again, it's another way that we try to fit people in, whereas we're all beautiful, wonderful misfits, right? In our own way. And that's where I think this as you know, however well-intentioned as it may be to keep trying to box people in or group or categorize or find that fit in space. It just makes people feel like more of a misfit and not always in a good way. 
And that's such a great example of that. There's a saying that age is mind over matter. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter. And that makes me think of what you were talking about with being a 50 or 60 year old in your own brain. Brandon, I want to kind of tie up this whole conversation and put a bow on it by asking you for parents of kids, maybe younger kids who are listening right now. And I know you're not a parent yet, but you know, having gone through all these experiences and have such phenomenal parents of your own, what would you say is the most important thing that the folks listening can do to set their kids up for success and even more so fulfillment in life? So I think the biggest thing that my parents taught me, if I were to summarize it, is the word dynamic. They taught me how to be dynamic. And in our world today that is so changing, it doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur or if you have a traditional job, the world's going to change. Teaching your kids how to be dynamic and leveraging the life lessons that they have help them to really understand that whatever happened to them isn't the end all be all, but rather it's a learning opportunity to really progress and move forward. Yeah, well, the theme to everything you're saying is always growing, always mm -hmm. growing, you know, and there's no end point, just like the grade isn't the end point. Winning the pool game is not the end point, you know, you're always growing. And if that's what we're instilling in our kids that, you know, what you're doing now, make it better tomorrow and run your own race, right? Don't look left or right. That's when you trip up, make your tomorrow better than your today. And that reminds me a lot of a, a guest we just had on Andy Storch, and he talked a lot about the growth mindset and just that sense of how are we growing? How are we always growing? And the best way to teach our kids to do that is to do it ourselves and be a model of that. Brandon, this is mm -hmm. an awesome conversation. We could talk for days. Yeah, we, have, we have definitely gone a long time together because there's so much to say. But if folks want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. So my newest site, so that's sevenbiggermillennials.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. And my main site is brandon-fong.com. You can find out more information and how to contact me on there. And we will make sure to include all of that in our episode insider newsletter. If you're saying, Emily, what's that? Go to mothersofmisfits.com right now. As they say, run, don't walk, figuratively speaking, of course, and scroll down to the bottom of the page enter your email address right there. That's all we need. And we will make sure that every Tuesday when these episodes go live, you get delivered in your inbox an announcement of the episode, but you also get insider information about all of our guests. And we always make sure that links to their websites, to their profiles, any offers they have to give away, that that's all in there too. And you certainly don't want to miss out. That's too good to pass up. And we also try to put in some extra pictures and family photos and stuff. It's just, it's good stuff. So make sure you sign up if you aren't already. Brandon, thanks again. It's awesome to have you and just appreciate you encouraging all of us with your misfit success story. <laughs> Thank you, Emily. This has been fun hanging out with you. I hope everybody listening found some value in this that you can help your kids really take things to the next level and teach them how to be more dynamic in this world. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We also invite you to visit us at mothersofmisfits.com.